going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. This week, we are previewing Vegas' first mile-and-a-half intermediate track of the season. No more drafting, uh, but we got to hand it to Atlanta, uh, <laughs> especially after the horrible crap we had to watch if you played the Truck and Xfinity Series races on Saturday. Uh, the Cup Series delivered probably the best race of the next-gen era, and this is after two years of some questionable uh, decision-making by people wondering why they tore down old Atlanta. But if if new Atlanta is going to deliver races like that going forward, uh, then we're in for a treat. But, I mean, we've, we've had five races in the Cup Series at new Atlanta. One of them was awesome. It was unbelievable, fantastic finish. Congratulations to Daniel Suarez. Uh, but what were your thoughts on Sunday's race? It was electric. Like, you could not take your eyes off the screen – until they started showing commercials every and then got cautions every time. Um, I mean, it started on lap two with a 16 car yeah. pileup, right? And you're going, Oh, great, it's just like we're, oh, yeah, here we go. Like, it's, fast. it's just the same, and like, crap it all continued, over but it was mainly just two car wrecks. I will say it was pretty impressive late. Um, who the heck spun out in the middle of the track and didn't take anybody else with them? I'm trying to remember who it was, but they got loose and spun out in the middle of a three wide and nobody else got damaged. So that was pretty impressive. Um, that finish was amazing. Uh, just, just flat out, just amazing. And it's awesome um, to see Suarez get the win out of those three guys. I don't have an issue with any of those three getting the win. Uh, I know people are actively always rooting against Scott Bush. I, I, I find him an endearing character. But Daniel Suarez is just such is easily one of the more likable guys in the entire series. And it's just second career win, um, second win coming in the next gen car. Uh, yeah. Especially Arguably when there's a seat saving win. Yeah, because there have been the rumblings that odd, yeah. we didn't know how long he would stay at track house if he didn't really if he wasn't. I mean, they in. have what car don't they have Carson Hosovar? Yeah, he's moving over to Trackhouse uh, next he's year. He's technically in Trackhouse. He's just in a third car that's being fronted by Spire. You know, Spire, who somehow still has uh, <laughs> cars to put on track. I thought they sold everything, but apparently not. Um, just, just amazing. Um, I think when you consider it also, like the race just had everything you wanted. Like, yes, it, it was it was drafting an intermediate. You had Rex. You could pass, especially for the lead. We didn't get the long single file runs. We were getting four wide like multiple times. They were comfortably driving around three wide on a track that's only about 40 feet wide. And yeah. so like it just had like what 47 lead changes at, at the end of the day when it was all I said think so it was a it was a new record for Atlanta um I think it <clears throat> set the record with 10 or 11 laps to go which were gonna yeah. be crazy because you know last 10 laps coming at a plate track always nuts it had pit strategy um it had just everything you could you could possibly want it had comers and goers um and yeah like you said you could pass basically anywhere you wanted to except for martin truex who basically stuck to the bottom of the track the entire <laughs> the entire day um but yeah it was it that was impressive now 
I won't necessarily say it was better than Kansas last year because the first Kansas race last year was just amazing for an intermediate with no drafting, no nuts, or, you know, no artificially close racing because of the plate racing. Kansas put on an absolute show last year. Um, unfortunately, Vegas is not known for these types of shows, which is where we go uh, this week. Maybe on the Strip. Well, you say unfortunately. Shows. You say unfortunately like it's a bad thing. I think the only unfortunate thing is that Vegas has to try and follow up last week's race, and we know it probably won't. Right. I mean, there's for- been good races at Vegas. Yeah. But – is it Atlanta level from last week? No. Is well, I think Atlanta for the purpose, no. But for the purposes of this podcast, where we're previewing yes. it from a DFS perspective, this is like this is where the NASCAR DFS season gets started because we Correct. we have practice. Practice matters this week. Um, we we really want to like have like last week. Yeah, we we targeted the dominators. We wanted to get those laps led at Atlanta. They went to almost everybody in the field. Uh, but you know, for this race, we're hoping to nail the the two or the three dominators in our lineup. We're hoping to get six guys that finish and score very well. Um, hoping to avoid the the chalk bombs. Um, but this is this is the first race where it feels like you know we can strategize for our NASCAR DFS lineups. We're not throwing darts, you know, for the drafting tracks and leaving salary on the table. Like this this is where the NASCAR DFS season officially begins. Correct. Yeah. So we got a little bit of a taste of an intermediate last week with Atlanta. It was still much more drafting style like Daytona, but it was size-wise intermediate. Um, but we have the full intermediate package on the cars this week. It's the first chance we get to see the new bodies in a non-drafting setup, so that'll be key to watch at practice. That's the number one thing I'm watching for at practice um, on Saturday is how the new bodies look because in the in the – aero package of the plate tracks it doesn't really like you're not going with horsepower the aero doesn't necessarily matter quite as much because everybody basically has the same stuff under the hood right and you're in a pack so generally speaking the arrow is not going to matter that much now you're going to get a lot of single file racing you're going to have to make single car passes on either the inside or the outside you're going to have to have the arrow on the car to make those moves and just how loose or tight do they show up um, whatnot. Now, I will say we do have some weather this weekend. Not In the rain, desert? Not rain. Wind? High wind warnings are possible. So nice. we'll have to pay attention if it delays anything because, you know, there is sand. There is uh, stuff that can be blown about and putting the cars on track with Tremendous amounts of wind going on is probably not the safest thing because, you know, you don't want a car catching a, a stray breeze on the wrong part of the car and get blown into the wall. And it's nothing anybody could do about it except maybe not be on the track at the time. So we'll have to pay attention to that. Uh, we do get, what, a triple header weekend this weekend? Trucks Friday night. Uh, the early preview of that is pretty much done. I'll have updates once we know the starting order. It's just we won't really have – they're not going to finish qualifying until about 6 p.m. Eastern, and then the race goes green, I think, around 9.15 p.m. Eastern. So it's a late one, but uh, I remember last year's truck race at Vegas being very profitable, and then we get Xfinity Series on Saturday, and then, you know, Cup to wrap it up on Sunday. But, you know, like yep. this is where I start throwing a little more bankroll at these races. 
When's the last time we had three triple header weekends to start the season? I don't know. I know it hasn't happened in a while because I know typically the trucks. I don't. Well, actually, no, that's not true. They did race. Uh, did they the do it last watch. year? It may have been because the schedule was different, but like last, the thing that's different about this year is that we started with Daytona and Atlanta. Typically, it's been Daytona to start, and then they head west to Auto Club. But I don't think the trucks ran Auto Club last year. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. So, um, so yeah, we get another triple header. Those of you interested in F one that starts this weekend in Bahrain. Um, Not talking about that here, though. We're going to stick with Vegas. Um, So I guess so. It's a mile and a half track. It's pretty decently steeped for a mile, you know, sloped for a mile and a half track. Compares closest it's, to Kansas, correct? Yeah, but it's even more steep than Kansas. Like, I think the comparison is better in the opposite direction um, in terms of how steep it is. Uh, what, what does that do for us? Well, it kind of makes passing a little tougher here. Track position is king at Vegas. You will hear the driver say it all day. Um, all night, depending on when they're on track and being interviewed. So, you know, you, you want your guy, if you want to have a shot at winning, you almost definitely have to start in the top 10. Winners rarely come from outside the top 10 here unless absolute chaos happens or they just nail the pit strategy and get the perfect time caution, right? Um, Laps led leaders are almost assuredly coming from inside the top 10. And Passing can be tough. Now, can you pass further back in the pack? Yes. But once you get to the top 10, it becomes tougher to pass here because cars in the top 10 can be a little bit more spread out than those further back in the pack. So um, in terms of an action-packed race, little less. In terms of more predictability and DFS strategy, a lot more this week uh, for for Kansas – or sorry, for Vegas and the Pennzoil 400. What would you say about tire wear? Uh, we were talking about this a little earlier, right? That it was that like, <clears throat> I think it's probably towards the higher end now. Yeah, it's not a super I mean, old surface, but it, no, each but it year gets it, beat up pretty well in that sun. Yeah, like it's not getting any younger, and <laughs> no, They've it's got moderate been, tire wear. Yeah, yeah, um, it's not as abrasive as Darlington or Homestead but it is more so than I would say Kansas. Um, so it's probably third or fourth in line, Okay, I would say, for, for tire wear among the ovals. Um, now that Auto Club is no more and, uh, <laughs> and old Atlanta has yeah. been uh, repaved, and now even Sonoma got repaved. They repaved the whole thing of Sonoma, too. Uh, you know, so, and then here we are on the West Coast swing, and we're left and wondering how they Sonoma, didn't yeah. get Sonoma on the schedule. And I get that it's it's hard for teams because they would essentially have to bring, you know, Two your intermediate cars, package yeah. cars and your road course car. Like that I get logistically, but Sonoma right now looks amazing. It, like the track it looks is fresh. gorgeous. It's all the green grass is green. Like, it's not burnt. Yeah, it looks phenomenal. Um, so at some point. I would be fine with swapping out Vegas for Sonoma. Like, it's tricky because I don't know how you get Phoenix in there, too. Like, yeah. I get it. It's a tough spot. But, um, yeah. So, how, how are you looking at builds this week, Dan? 
Um, what do we have? 267 laps just about for this one? Yep. Mile and a half, 400 miles, 267 scheduled laps. Just quick math, and that's – we're probably going to get between 160 170 Dominator points. Um, it's going to be most of my lineups are going to be two Dominator built-in cash games. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to settle on cash games. I will go with one Dominator and hoping that there's a guy that starts on the pole or the front row that I think can just take advantage of the clean air early on, get the early laps led, and score a top five to top ten finish, if not the win. Um, yeah. uh, and then from the there, way, this race to, to back that up, this race last year, Byron started second, led 176 laps. Larson started sixth, led 63 and finished second. Byron won. So 239 laps led by two drivers. Out of the and that's the, the spring race, correct? Correct. I did not look at the playoff I'm, race. I'm pulling it up. Uh, okay. Okay. Here we go. Perfect. Uh, Kyle Larson started P2, won the race, led 133 laps. Christopher Bell started on the pole, finished P2, finished second to, as the runner up. So the two guys that started on the front row both finished on the front row. Uh, Bell led 61 laps with 39 fastest laps. Larson led 133 laps with 67 fastest laps. So pretty much a carbon copy in the spring race in 2022, which <clears> was the first one run here. Uh, with the next-gen car. That one was a little bit more split up in terms of laps led. You didn't have... I also think... 100, but we also didn't really know what to expect at that time correct. with the next-gen car. Correct. Because also, if you look at it, like Kyle Busch started 37th and finished 4th. Doesn't happen very often in Vegas. Yeah. Um, Chastain started 18th, finished 3rd, and led the most laps at 83. So... Uh, if memory serves, that was a massive tire-blowing race. Like, guys had trouble with tires yeah. late that whole that whole race. So we can we can basically wipe out the first one here. Um, and the second one, they didn't much fix the tires either because the, let's see, Chastain started 11th, led 68 laps, finished second. But your point about two... Two dominators is the is the way that I'm looking at this too, and that's how I'm approaching most of my tournament builds. I may mix in another driver that's maybe starting in the top ten, maybe a guy that's in the seven to eight k range as maybe a tertiary dominator to and just hope that he can get a good finish as well as some laps led as well. But for cash games, I'm not a, I'm not going to go primarily for position differential. I will want to get probably someone from the front row. Uh, and hope that I nail the guy that can go out and lead some laps and then get five other guys that are of good value, offering PD and finish well and score well. Um, so that's going to be my approach. Uh, obviously, we are ways away from practicing and qualifying to know who's fast. But, you know, early on, on Thursday night at 1030 on the East Coast, you know, that's, I guess, a, a quick uh, look at how I'm approaching lineup building this week. And also... I know we don't see it a lot in the next gen car, but I may have, if I'm making 20 lineups, two or three of them might be solo dominator builds and maybe hope that I can get one guy that goes out and leads 150 plus laps and wins. Yeah, I wouldn't have any problem with it. I mean, look, if you missed on Larson in this race last year, it probably didn't kill you that badly. I mean, 63 laps is nice, but 176 from Byron missing out on that would have killed you. Yeah, almost assuredly in in tournaments, 
Um, by the way, the next closest to Larson's 63 was uh, Suarez, uh, Denny Hamlin's 10. He started 12th, finished 11th, and led 10 laps in between. Joey Logano started on the pole last year in this race, led nine laps, uh, wrecked out because nice. of Logano. Um, I guess, I mean, if we're going to discuss a few drivers, why not just lead off with Kyle Larson? Yeah. Um, Larson has been very, very good here. In the According to the sports books, he's got a ton of win equity. Yes. Um, so we're only looking at the four next-gen car races, right? So it is a smaller sample that we're looking at this week. Um, we could go a little further back. Um, but Larson, if you look at his average finish, is 10th. So it doesn't seem like it's that great, right? Until you actually figure out that, oh, the 10th is because he finished 35th in one of the races. The other three, he finished second, second, and first. <laughs> so so he's been he's been really, really good uh, at Vegas. Mile and a half are where Larson shows up to dominate, um, like most Hendrick cars. In fact, in the four races run in the next-gen era at Vegas, Hendrick has three of the wins. Uh, Bowman has a win, Byron has a win, and, L and Larson has a win, and then Logano has the other one. Um, it's kind of similar to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Gee, they're both nine and a half. So, uh, they're, they're pretty. They're pretty quick. So it's hard not to start with Larson. He's going to be again. This is going to depend on where he starts, but I feel pretty confident in saying he's going to be the highest played top tier driver on both sides. Uh. Are you okay still eating that chalk, or do you think that this is potentially leverage to be underweight? I think there is leverage in certain in certain builds. Like obviously, I'm not going 100% Larson. Sure. Right. I could see the argument for instead of going 40, 45% Larson to go 30% Larson. And let other people, and then that way, if he does have that 35, 35th place finish or simply doesn't lead the most laps, then you have leverage over the field and some salary to do some fun things with. Because if you put Larson in your lineup on DraftKings, you immediately lose 500 bucks on your average driver spot. Right? He's 11,000 on DK. So. I still don't think – I think it's just early enough in the year where $11,000 when we know what he can do at a track like this is probably a discount. Like we're going to get to a point is. in the – we're going to get to a point in the season where some of these guys are going to be, you know, priced up to 12000 maybe twelve five. We really don't see egregious pricing in the Cup Series races like we'll see for, you know, Kyle Busch in, in, in some Truck Series races. Like Kyle Busch, I think, for the Truck Series race in Vegas is like fourteen five. And so he needs well. 75 fantasy points uh, to even like pay off that salary. And so like, there's an argument from a pricing perspective just to fade Kyle Bush on DraftKings for Friday night's uh, He is Kyle Larson is a hundred dollars cheaper on DraftKings this year than he was in this race last year. Yeah, and so like now, it, granted, there was it's kind of like in, go ahead. We had seen him at Auto Club previous prior 
mm-hmm. to this race last year, right? They didn't do Auto Club this year, so that changes things a little bit. But he was eleven-one in this race um, a year ago on DK. He was thirteen-five on Fanduel. So the eleven grand is technically a discount. Who else do you do you like in the ten k Ranger above? Because I feel like there are guys that I like, and and there's one driver who I really didn't even like come onto until about yesterday. But Christopher Bell is kind of jumping off the page as maybe my second favorite play on this slate, especially if the the new uh, body for the Toyotas like really shows up and and runs well in this track. Yeah, it's hard to argue with Christopher Bell. By the way, he is C Bell did get a big bump compared to this race last year on DK, if we want to keep this trend going of what they were last year. Uh, he was 8,800 in this race a year ago, and he's uh, 9,500 this year. Um, Seabell has been solid here. He's not been huge, right? Obviously, he finished runner-up to Kyle Larson in the last race here. He did finish fifth. Um last spring so that's pretty solid and arguably bell had the faster car last fall had the race gone another maybe two laps he probably would have caught larson uh in that rundown larson was blocking him for all that he was worth um last uh, last fall so i don't mind see bell and by the way he finished 10th in the first race here but we're taking that with a little bit of grain of salt because there were some crazy, crazy moves that happened with the tires boiling and whatnot. The guy that's really catching my eye right now, a little lower down, is Ross Chastain at 9100 bucks. I can get that, yeah. Chastain has four top fives here. Uh, granted, we're kind of discounting the first one, right? But he's had two straight top fives, just like C. Bell. Uh, he's looked fast. He finished what seventh last week uh, in Atlanta. Was ne- was in position to win at the Daytona 500. Just kind of misjudged the gap uh, with like a lap to go. So I don't have a problem with Ross Chastain. He's been quick. He's been quick here. And again, keeping that little trend going for whatever it's worth. I'm not saying it's like a magical elixir to find value but he was 10 grand in this race on dk last year he's 9100 <laughs> yeah and you know the thing is, is like track house as a team seems like poised for you know three to four wins every year and ross yeah. Chastain seems seems like almost like he'll get two wins every year uh which has kind of been the case the last couple of years uh in the next gen era and i wouldn't really put it past him to potentially get a win here because as you said you know he's Finished top five, three of the four Cup Series races here in the next-gen car. Uh, led 151 laps between the two 2022 races. That was just a phenomenal year for him in general. Um, yeah, I can't really – would you – he did win Nashville last year. Would you give a lot of um, track comparison between Nashville and Las Vegas? I know Nashville is only a mile and a third, but, you know, similar shape. Um, Similarly hard to pass. Yeah. There. The concrete surface is a little bit more abrasive and slick than your standard um, mile and a half. So yeah, I could um, I could see that. I mean, it's certainly not 
a polar opposite track. There, there is definitely comparison there. I don't, you know, I'm not saying it's a sister track, but there is things we can take from it. Plus the fact that Chastain's just been really quite good here. I mean, over the last four races, we talk about how good Byron's been and how good Larson's been and how good, you know, Kyle Busch has been at his home track. Chastain has a better average finish than all of them. Yeah. So, um, not that average finish is everything, but when you look at average run position in those races, Ross Chastain is second, only behind William Byron. So, it's not just that he's getting the average finishes and they're coming late. It's that he's running there and putting together complete races here. Um, so, you know, there, there's some credence to just how well uh, he's been performing here. He's also second in average driver rating. Uh, also behind William Byron. So on that note, we can also take a little bit of a discount off of Kyle Larson and look at William Byron. I mean, I don't see... I don't see a it's reason gonna, not to. You know, I just feel like uh, he's put himself just in this uh, tier, not necessarily by himself, but it's just like... We've just seen in the last couple of years that like you can kind of feel good about playing Byron on any track. I get that like in prior to his Daytona 500 when he had racked in like five or six Daytona 500s, but that what didn't mean he didn't have a Daytona win on his resume previously. He won the season finale at Daytona. Right, he locked himself into the playoffs. Yeah, a couple of years ago with that win. Yeah. And he's won on short tracks. He's won on intermediates. I don't um, he might have he a did? I'm pretty play. sure he won Watkins Glen. Yes, I actually think you're right as well. So it's like he's just becoming this this young driver on a good team that can win at any track. And so it's not that I don't like Byron. I just um I get why we hype up Larson because you know basically how the sports books and, and everything are trending and not to mention what, the talent is I mean correct. he is the most talented driver on the planet right now. Yeah. Except but like Byron is like Byron's just a guy who's like, yeah, like, I don't care where he starts. I just think, like, you can just play him on almost any track at this point. I would I would agree with that. I would also say that Byron is second on the pecking order for Hendrick in terms of equipment and setup and whatnot. I think Byron is second. Yeah, it's probably Larson, I think Byron, is Elliott, one, Byron, Yeah, I think Bowman is the fourth guy Yeah. Um, in that stable right now. So in terms of, you know getting the equipment needed to do well, I would say Byron is, is right there. If we're looking at the mid-tier, there are some interesting names here. There are interesting names. That I could go the, like a lot of different places on. You really could. Um, and we're going to get like so many of these drivers, especially the Toyotas, will get steamed up a bit, uh, especially if they look good in practice and qualifying. Correct. Like Reddick is a guy who has led laps here in the past. I think with RCR, he grabbed the top five here uh, back in 2022. Um, Bubba, great at Kansas, and he was good on this track last year. And he's, he's currently the points leader, I believe. Uh, maybe that's Kyle Busch. Um, but Bubba's coming off back-to-back top fives. And yeah, I think it's Kyle Busch, but Bubba's the <clears throat> I don't hate Ty Gibbs. I don't hate – maybe I'm not as excited about Eric Jones this week. But, like, I'm intrigued with what Michael McDowell, the new Ford body, and 
and that team Penske alliance. Like this, this mid range is, is so fascinating. You know, we know who's going to be good up top, but like the mid range is like, we're going to see what the Ford and Toyota bodies look like. And you know, what can front row with McDowell and Gilliland do with the Penske alliance? Like there's just a lot to watch. Yeah. Also, I love I love that DraftKings can't separate Busher and Kozlowski ever. Well, they can't. Like, <laughs> like they're they always separate Reddick and Wallace. <laughs> they're always like right next to it. Yeah, I mean, same thing with <laughs> with Reddick and Wallace. But like, I don't, I don't get know. why Kozlowski's more expensive than Busher because he's got the name. I get. And theoretically, shorter. he's the owner, so he would have better equipment, I guess, because he's the co-owner of the team. But he's now gone. Busher has out well, without a win. I know, but Kaz also got more top tens than Busher last year too. I mean, Busher got the wins, but Kozlowski had a couple more top tens, so he was arguably more consistent the entire season. We're splitting hairs, but clearly DraftKings is doing the same thing when they're pricing people because <laughs> they're, they're as close as you can be in their pricing model that jumps by two hundred bucks. So. Um, I would say the only one, the only one in the, like, even, even Bowman is interesting. Like, I know we just crapped on him and called him the fourth guy at Hendrick, but the fourth guy at Hendrick is, do, do you know how many guys, do you know how many guys in this series would kill to be the fourth guy at Hendrick? Everybody at SHR. Yeah. <laughs> Corey LaJoy, Austin Dillon. Right. Um, Austin Dillon's got to worry about leading more laps than Todd Gilliland first. Did yeah. you see that stat, by the way? The Todd Gilliland 74 laps led this year is more than the and Austin Dillon in the that... last four years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's he's not been he's not been very good. But I mean Bowman has an average finish of 13th here. Granted, it's in three races because he missed one with the broken back. Um last year from the uh, sprint car accident. But in the three races, he's won one, finished third in another, and then finished 35th because he had a uh, – an, I think it was an accident, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that's not even that bad. So, like, even the guy that we're not terribly <clears throat> high on hasn't exactly done poorly here. I will say that two dudes at the bottom of this list, Austin Dillon and Austin Sindrick, are going to need to show me things before <laughs> I feel at all um, interested, I guess, in playing them. Do you know how bad it's gotten at SHR? All their drivers uh, are priced between 6000 and 6400 Yeah. It's not... Not good. I mean, Briscoe, Gregson, Barry. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, that's like what happened to that team. They got young. Not not well. I mean, <laughs> not all that. I mean, Josh Barry's like thirty two, so it's not even like <laughs> it's that young. Um, I mean, they've been struggling for a while. Kevin Harvick made him look good because he's Kevin Harvick and a Hall of Fame driver and whatnot. But, like, none of – I mean, Briscoe hasn't been good basically in his two years. time. I mean, he won Phoenix, right? And then, yeah, two years and, ago and then did anything. nothing since. 
Right, just like Austin Sindrick won his first cup race and then hasn't done jack squat since. Um, Ryan Priest got sent down to Xfinity in between and is back and still hasn't done anything. So, you know, not not great. They We're going to have to be careful on the budget, the, the, the values here. Obviously, we always have to be, but the last two weeks we've been a little bit what are you talking about? You don't want to go back to Daniel Hemrick for the third straight week where he can get you another top 20? I mean, maybe. I mean, <laughs> not out of the realm of possibility, to be honest. Here's um, the thing. Derek Krause is making his Cup Series debut for college racing. Uh, where, do, where do you stand on the debate between playing Justin Haley and Rick Ware racing equipment or Derek Krause in his Cup Series debut with college racing? First time driving the next-gen car. Probably play Haley. I also would go Haley, I think. I mean, <clears throat> is Rick Ware and it hasn't been it hasn't been great. Mm-mm. But Justin Haley kind of makes up for that. Yeah. I mean, the car hasn't come off the track in 2 weeks, so that's that's good news. Right? I mean, this is an incredibly low bar, <laughs> low bar to clear. Right. Um I mean, Hemrick is not terrible. Well, <laughs> the first series is where drafting tracks, and I was more than happy to play him uh, in that style of race. Um, he finished 22nd here in his race, in the only race he's run here. I guess the thing going for Hemrick is that he's 5,500. He's always going to qualify outside the top 25 a lot of times outside the top 30 and yet as bad as he is the the equipment is still fine and he can still get a top 20 correct but that's and if honestly like if he if he's averaging if he's getting what 33 fantasy points that's 6x value uh, at his price tag yeah so that's that's a good transition here we do need to talk about value this week it's been a little skewed the last two weeks because of plate racing and position differential and at daytona we didn't really chase laps led dominators because there aren't really any in atlanta we kind of did but kind of didn't because of the this week for gpps you need guys that can hit 6x yeah you're gonna need guys who can get you 6x value for for gpp builds if you're doing cash which you can do here you need 5x guys you can depending on how the laps led go if you have the second the secondary laps led dominator and then some decent position differential plays you can do just fine in cash here yeah but for gpps you're going to absolutely have to have the laps led dominator to be anywhere close to the money <laughs> for GPPs. Um, and then you're probably going to need all six guys to finish because there's not going to be chaos here like there was. I mean, hell, last week it was easier for Fox to tell you the guys that weren't involved in Rex than the guys that were involved <laughs> in Rex. Um, that's not going to be the case this week. It's going to be a lot of single file, um, you know, Field's going to get stretched out until a caution happens or stage break comes. Um, so you are going to need uh, 5X 
uh, at least for cash games and for GPPs, you're definitely going to need 6X. Um, so for a guy like Larson, he's going to have to put up like 66 points. Yeah, and he can do it. He can. I'm not easily. I'm not that concerned about it. You know, we haven't seen him do it this year, but again, not. He was starting way too close to the front to do that. To be honest, I mean, Daniel Suarez put up what seventy something points last week on DK. Seventy two. Took twenty two spots of PD <clears throat> to get that far. <laughs> so, because again, he didn't really lead. He led single digit laps at the end of that race. Um, so just keep that in mind when you're building. we got to kind of visualize guys who have paths to uh, that and watch out because I may either on Discord or my Twitter account put out a chart of where guys need to finish and what they need to do in order to reach 5 and 6X. There you um, go. So, and it'll include some you know, laps led dominator points if they need it. Because obviously, if Larson starts on the pole and fin- and wins the race, he's going to need like 25 <laughs> dominator points to get to the 66 points. So, um, and when we're talking value, we mainly mean on DraftKings because FanDuel, the value calculations are so skewed. It's just so easy to. Completed. Um, it's just so easy to build lineups on FanDuel. <laughs> It, it really, it generally, but that there's also a skill because it's that easy, but you also kind of have to get creative because it's that easy. You can't fall on the same line. Like it's because the margin, yeah, because how they reward points for like, well, you get a 10th of a point for completing the lap, but you also get a 10th of a point if you have, you know, the guy leading all the laps. And so from there, it's, it's a, uh, it's a razor thin margin that you're trying to, Correct. Nail the perfect lineup by. It's also easier to dupe lineups yep. on FanDuel because of the pricing <clears throat> and the way the scoring breaks down, and you only need five a great way to get different on FanDuel is just to leave money on the table. Not a ton, Correct. like for a race like this, I probably wouldn't leave more than maybe three thousand uh, dollars. I wanted to go a little more conservative and say two thousand, but I think for a race like this. If I wanted to build unique lineups, 150 of them at most, I'd probably leave three grand on the table. Yeah, let's just for curiosity here, let's um, look at a FanDuel build. So if we like, so Larson is 14 grand on FanDuel. So if we want to get creative, because here's another way you can get creative: is you don't go with Larson, you go with Byron, who's 13.5. Right, you still get a guy we like and leave some money on the table. Now we can look at like Ross Chastain for nine grand. Like, you know, it, it's we don't even have to dig that deep because your average driver on Bandol is 10 grand. Well, Chase Elliott is 10 grand, so Chase Elliott is the average cost on yeah. DK. Chase Elliott is $1,500 more than average slot value for a driver. So this is what we're kind of talking about here. Um, I don't know. If you want to get wonky and you like Alex Bowman, you could go with him. He's eight grand. And what do we have? We got 97.50 left per position. So um, nobody's really... We'll go with Seabell. You really quite like Seabell. I got 7,500 bucks left. 
which by the way gets you Daniel Suarez if you want to max it out. But if you want to leave like three grand on the table, how about a guy that you wanted to talk about? We'll punch in Noah Gregson. Noah Gregson. <laughs> that leaves $2,300 on the table. And it's kind of a wonky one, but you don't have to go dumpster diving into the $2,500 range. I mean, you could if you wanted Larson and Hamlin and uh, Byron, then you'd have to go <laughs> down into the $2,500 range. But, um, yeah, I, I do think that Gregson's a sneaky play. I'll agree with you there in the budget. The thing I liked about it is that, you know, we talk about how rookies can be risky entering the next-gen era for the first time. And we'll we'll wrap this podcast up shortly. But Gregson is not a rookie. He raced in this car last year for Legacy, had a miserable season, uh, became grumpier and grumpier as the year one, and ultimately got fired uh, for a social media post that he liked. But, like, he, he's not a rookie. He has experience in the car. He's from Vegas. We know that the yes. Ford bodies are different to contend. SHR, sure, they suck. Uh, but I still buy into the narrative that he's a good driver, a good young driver with upside on a track that he's very familiar with. And as we discussed, you know, this is a more moderate tire wear track, and he had a ton of success at tracks like Darlington and Homestead in the Xfinity Series. And so – if he starts deep in the field and I don't think that there's going to be a ton of ownership that flocks to him, I will aim to be overweight on him. And I don't even think it's going to take that much to be overweight on the kid. By the way, I'll, I'll one up that. I don't even think we need him to start deep in the field. I think if he starts midfield, <clears throat> he's totally playable because he started 17th here two races ago and finished 11th. And I think if, I think if he starts 17th, he's going to be overlooked because people aren't Fair. going to think he can better a spot. Or people are going to want, hey, if, like, say for sake of argument, Corey LaJoy starts 30th. Yeah. And Graxon is 17th. I think LaJoy gets more look because he has Easily. the upside. But he doesn't necessarily have the value upside that Graxon does. Because if Graxon finishes 15th, but LaJoy moves up, let's say, eight spots, you're getting more points from Graxon for the finish position then LaJoy, and LaJoy's PD doesn't make up for the gap in finish position. So, and you've spent less money because Gregson's cheaper. So, I I think that's a clever spot. Daniel Hemrick's not so bad. He can't do it three weeks in a row, let's be honest. Like, there's no (laughs) way. (laughs) Um, So, we'll we'll finish this up pretty quick here, but some bets that we were talking about um, before we started recording, uh, Larson's the favorite. The uh, the best odds, the longest odds you can get as of right now. This is at 11 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night. Uh, plus 450 on DK are the longest odds. So the last couple of weeks I've been telling you how, like, your betting favorites for Daytona Atlanta were going off at 10 to 1 or plus 1,100, whatever. This is a normal race. And now you have Larson going off at plus 450. That's a normal favorite odds listing, especially with a guy with Larson's history at Vegas. Uh, Byron, uh, big jump here, by the way. Byron is plus 900. I don't necessarily hate that entirely. <laughs> I might take I might take the longer return on a guy I think is about as equal to Larson as you can yeah. get here. 
and double the return. I might, I'm that's a very intriguing, and he's plus 900 across multiple books. DK, bet MGM, a little shorter at Caesars, um, and bet Rivers. Um, Christopher Bell, the guy you brought up, the best odds you can find him at are 10 to 1 on DK to win. Uh, Chastain is plus 1400 to win. He's got three top. Too bad. I actually do think I completely forgot about this, but I actually do have a bet on Chastain for this race. It's not terrible. Uh, I don't hate it. I got him at sixteen to one. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, so I completely forgot it, about that until now. Here's the other thing: we're not really digging into long shots this week. These are not the not for outright shots. No, ten ten to win. If you if you really like. Um, an odd sprinkle a little bit, not like, like maybe a tenth of a unit, two tenths of a unit, right? Um, but about the longest I feel comfortable going is inside a thirty to one. Yeah, at an intermediate because there's just not like the chaos that can reign supreme that gets, you know, for example, you've got Ty Gibbs and Chris Busher are twenty eight to one. Then you've got Daniel Suarez, who, by the way, won last week. He's the next shortest odds at 66 to 1. Okay. Technically, Eric Jones at 60 to 1, which moved up. Um, but then you've got Austin Sindrick and Michael McDowell at 100 to 1. So there are big jumps when when we you know get to the back end and Noah Graxon, who we really liked for a budget DFS play. This is why you don't bet budget DFS play. To one. He's two fifty to one. <laughs> <laughs> so don't bet long shots here. It's not I know Vegas is the betting capital and everybody loves to hit the, you know, the roulette table. You get the thirty five to one or forty to one if your number hits. You're going shorter than that for the NASCAR race. Uh, top five. My favorite top five bet right now is plus 220 on Ross Chastain. Nice. I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why you're getting such a good return on a guy who's had three top fives in four races here. Um, by the way, I used that logic last week for Daniel Suarez at plus 175 for a top 10. That hit. Um, top 10s are a little shorter this week. A lot of the guys are negative money, which isn't terrible. I don't have a problem betting negative. Don't bet Kyle Larson for a top 10. The best odds you're finding right now is to bet Rivers for minus 345. That's like for Stappen to win odds in F1, and we still don't bet those. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts before we sign off for the night, Matt? Um, I mean, we'll have, you know, we get practice on Saturday. We get qualifying Saturday for Cup. Uh, race is Sunday for Cup. You'll see playbook out. I'll have practice to qualifying table make an appearance in the playbook this year because we actually have practice that matters and qualifying that matters. Um, betting piece will be out Friday, which if you're listening to this, chances are the betting piece is pretty close to out, if not already out. Um and yeah, we'll give you all the strategy. I'll be around all weekend in Discord. Um, so have fun. It's Vegas, baby. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this week in Vegas, and best of luck to the FA Nation.
Best of luck, FA Nation.